The second reading is from Mark, chapter 1, verses 16 to 28. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little further, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Jesus drives out an impure spirit. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching, because he taught them as one who had authority, not as teachers of the law. Just then, a man in their synagogue, who was possessed by an impure spirit, cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, What is this, a new teaching and with authority? He even gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. Amen. Thank you. Clear as a bell, that, John. Absolutely clear as a bell. Brilliant. Thank you. Let's just pray together. Father, let my words be your words. Father, let nothing of me come through in this sermon but lots of you all of you. Father, you have a message for this congregation. You have a message for me. Let us listen. And let us do it. Whatever it is you ask us to do. In Jesus' name. Amen. I've got two clips that I need to show you, one at the beginning of the sermon, one at the end of the sermon. I'm just debating whether to show the first clip now or in a minute. I'll show it in a minute, if that's okay. For all those who who know me well, you probably know that I was supposed to speak in November, and I couldn't. And some of what I was going to say in November may come through in this sermon. The last few months of last year were very stressful both for me and my family. At the beginning of September, I was told that I had to look for another job. The company I worked for wanted to move its whole operation to Thailand. And if I wanted to go, I could. (laughs) That was never an option. All of my family are here, both relatives and also my extended family. You lot. And I didn't feel that God was calling me to move anywhere yet. A few weeks later, things got even worse. My father-in-law was diagnosed with acute MDS, which is a form of leukemia. We knew he was ill, but we'd got no idea how bad it actually was. He was diagnosed just as I had to go to Thailand for two weeks because of problems the company was having over there. So two days after I arrived in Thailand, it got even worse. Dad deteriorated, and he phoned my wife up and said, could he come and move in with us? 
which is exactly what he did. All around our family were really growing. I felt isolated, unable to assist in any way. And to be honest, the words from my last sermon in September to do with not being tested more than I can cope with were ringing in my ears. Perhaps that sermon had been preparing me for this. When I got back from Thailand almost two weeks later, Dad's deterioration had continued and he was really ill, seriously ill. As most of you know, he passed away early in November, which meant I, I clearly couldn't take that service. I'm certain that without the support of our family, we would have found it impossible to get through that time. I knew some if not almost all of you, were praying for us. And to be honest, that meant absolutely everything. I knew that God's hand was in the situation, even though the situation was really, really hard. I felt I needed to start this sermon off by sharing that with you, because I felt today that God was telling me to speak about Relationships, and especially our relationship with God as a church and as individuals. I value our relationship. You are my family. And I'm ever so grateful for what happened in November. And that will never change. I know I've said this before, but it's certainly worth saying again. God is always with us. He's there all the time. As the footsteps poem says, he is carrying us when the times are the most testing. He was certainly carrying me then. But that's not what this relationship is all about. He wants more than that. Our relationship with God can't be one where he just carries us through the bad times. What about the good? When God chose us to be saved, and make no mistake, that is exactly what he did. He chose us, you, me, each person in this room. He chose you. That's why you're here. Isn't that a privilege? He was not only looking for someone that he could help and support and encourage, but he was looking for someone that he could nurture, talk to, that he could work through. This is frequently called in the Bible someone he could walk with. Ephesians chapter 4 verses 1 to 3 says this. As a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient. Bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. In scripture, walking with God is a figure of speech, meaning the manner of life or how we conduct ourselves. Let our lives, the way we live our lives, match up with what we claim to be, with who we claim to be. Our behavior gives witness to our profession. Aligning Batman, purely, purely a random comment, 
the line in the original first Batman film, not the one with Adam West, the first, the first one that was after that, the Christian Bale one. He makes a comment where he basically says, or she, his girlfriend makes a comment, which basically says, it's not what you say, it's what you do that defines who you are. And that is exactly the truth. Talk isn't. trees of the garden the Lord God called to the man where are you God created man for the enjoyment of a walking relationship a proper relationship that involved companionship dialogue, intimacy friendship, support somebody else showed that clip with a few to talking about the act of ran- random kindness that's, that's not what I'm trying to talk about today what I'm trying to talk about today is that relationship the walking side by side the talking of God to heaven the talking, the relationship they had how specific were the instructions if you read through the, the, the reading that we had from Noah the first few verses say Noah walked with God. Right? Now, walking with God is in tune with what God wants, is listening to what God wants, is obeying what God says to do. How specific were the instructions? Build an ark of this length, that length, that width. How specific were they? And yet Noah listened to everything and did it. That's walking with God. It's listening, it's obeying. Lightning McQueen listened to the turn right. What he didn't hear was, when you're in a hard turn left, turn right. The first instruction with the steering wheel, in Lightning Queen's case, was turn the wheel left, and then turn it right to keep control. Noah listened to every instruction and did it. There aren't many people in the Bible that actually have the phrase, walking with God, written at the side of it. Noah was one. I just completely winged that, so I'm now going to turn over four pages. <laughs> so I apologise. I moved to Warrington in the late 1970s. I came from St Helens, as most of you well know, and that that is a bone of contention with me and every Warrington supporter in the building. And we continually talk about rugby, but that's not for this moment in time. <laughs> <laughs> 
I've lived in Birchwood ever since. I knew God existed and listened to countless, countless sermons telling me about him and his love. But I never realised that I had to have a personal relationship with him. Never, ever dawned on me. I didn't really understand it that. I've been a choir boy in a C of E church in St. Helens and attended church, would you believe, three times every weekend for years. I used to go on a Saturday because at that, in them days they used to hire the choir to sing at weddings. And they only ever hired the boys. They never hired the adults because the adults wouldn't turn up. But they gave us 20p for giving up our Saturday afternoon or maybe 50p. Well, it got a few sweets from the shop. And then I went to two church, church, Sundays, two church services on the Sunday. Every Sunday morning, every Sunday night. That, together with choir practice on a Tuesday night, choir practice on a Friday night, I felt I was a Christian. I came to church, I listened to the message, I heard, heard what God was going to say to me. I heard the readings from the, the, the bloke in the pulpit. I listened to the readings from the guys who were reading the lessons. I actually thought I was a Christian. I discovered I wasn't. I went to a rally at Anfield, another place that I don't hold much credit to, seeing that I'm an Everton supporter. But I went to a rally at Anfield in the mid-1980s, and they had a preacher there called uh, Billy Graham, who's quite well known. And he had a rally, and it ended up on me going down onto the pitch at Anfield, never again. And uh, at that point, I was saved. That's when I became a Christian. Now, did I immediately start doing everything that God wanted me to do? No, I didn't. But I started listening and getting more in tune with God and taking note of what was being said. And where I could do it, I did do it. But where it was too difficult or too hard, perhaps I didn't try hard as much as I should. Now, your relationship gets stronger as you read more, as you talk to people more, as you pray more. As you communicate more with a friend, you know more about them. They know more about you. They ask you to do things that they know you can do. Interesting thought. What's God asking you to do? What I'd not realised was that in, throughout all my time in the choir, I was being prepared for the work that I had to do here and in other places. God's used me in ways I'd never understand and I certainly don't believe. I'd never heard of Boys' Brigade. Never. Yet I've been captain here for 25 years. And the work that God's done in this Boys' Brigade company has been immense. Incredible. But it's all down to God and somebody being willing to be used. I'm a school governor. Governor, me, yeah, right. I'm a church elder. Again, never really. But I've been doing those jobs now for over 20 years. Not because I'm worthy of it, but because I'm willing and I'm obedient. And that's what God's calling me to do. That's possibly the sum extent of where I'm at at the moment. He hasn't actually, I don't think, called me to climb Everest or called me to sail across the Atlantic. But if he did, I'd seriously have to think about it. But what he's called me to do, I've done. 
Now, what's he calling you to do? We had the reading from Mark, which I said I'd try and fit into the sermon. Right? So here you go. Mark chapter 1, verses 16 to 18 says, As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake. They were, for they were the fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and they followed him. Right, what did they do then? They started a walk with Jesus. They started a relationship with Jesus. They hadn't had that before, but they gave things up, they gave everything up, and they got out of the boat, and they went and they followed Jesus. In, clear, in those days, clearly, they walked everywhere. Now imagine this. I mean, you've got to imagine this. You are with Jesus, walking everywhere. You are witnessing God as man. You are learning from God as man. You are listening to his teachings. You are listening to his behavior. You are seeing what his, what his strength and power and authority is. He can do miracles and you can watch. Now, they have to have built up a relationship with Jesus. One where they know him and one where he knows them. And another one where they know each other. When you're called by the Holy Spirit, Jesus still wants to walk with you in this way. Wow. Are you really walking with God? Many years ago, and I mean many years ago, but those who have been to, been to Spring Harvest will realise this. Many years ago, I led a youth group to Spring Harvest. It wasn't from this church, from another church. And we went to Pontins at Prestatin. That was before they even started using Butlins. So that was in the, probably in the either early 90s or the late 80s. There was me, a female leader, and her boyfriend. And around 15 boys and girls aged between 11 and 15. We went, and we had a great time. And there's a bloke preaching called, I think his name was Louis Palau, who was a really, really good preacher at the time. And one night, the girl's boyfriend, who wasn't really a Christian, who was just exploring his faith, got baptised in the spirit. I'd never seen anything like that. And it scared me to death. I had never, ever witnessed anything. The guy was uncontrollable. He was speaking in tongues. He was laughing all the time. It took us four hours to get him out of the tent. The elders couldn't move him. It, was, it sounds scurry. It was incredibly great. God told him, within a week of him getting back, to become a missionary. And he gave up his job and did. He went to Scotland as a missionary. I'm not saying anything else because there are too many, too many Scottish people in here. <laughs> and, and from what I understand it, he did really well while he was there. But that's where he went. Now, why am I saying that? 
I'm saying that because sometimes God speaks to you and he speaks to you there and then on the spot. And sometimes God tells you to do something and you need to think about doing it. Ideally, you need to do it. Sometimes, when you're part of a congregation, he may be building a relationship up with you and it may take time for you to find out what it is that God's calling you to do. But what you have to do is be ready to listen. God is talking to you all the time. God knows you by name. He knows the hurts on your head. He has a calling for each one of you. You're here for a reason. You're here because you've been called to be. So what is God's calling for you? Is it in the church? Is it in the community? Is it at work? It will be somewhere. But you only find that out if your walk with God is developing. Is being nurtured. Is growing. I'm conscious of the time now. I think I've been too long, haven't I? You can nod if you want. <laughs> I've got things that I wanted to talk about to do with the gifts of the Spirit, but I, I feel that that perhaps is another sermon. When you're constantly walking with someone, you're going to understand them better than you ever did before and then you you're going to know their heart walking with God is not just a time in the prayer closet it's a lifestyle that you can only obtain by walking with Jesus really we know what walking with God entails and the hardest thing is possibly the commitment to spending more time with him in prayer and in reading God's word Billy Graham, who is still preaching God's gospel, said a few weeks ago, I think it was three weeks ago, that children provide a good example of the way believers should walk with Jesus. He said, just as we do with our children, the most important way to walk with God is by spending time with him, listening to him as he speaks to us through the Bible and talking with him in prayer. How is your walk with God? Don't put your hands up. Don't answer. Just ask yourself that question. Let's just pray together. Father God, I want to walk with you, talk with you, listen to you, hear your heart, and be part of everything that you want me to do. Teach me, Lord, to walk with you. In Jesus' name. Amen.